your copy of the Word of God to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And rest your eyes on verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of the Lord, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We celebrate your presence. We celebrate your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning. We thank you. And now, oh God, take what you have to say to us today, and may we respond in obedience that you might make our way successful in all that we touch prosperous. For this is your promise to those who obey and meditate on your law. We pray this in Jesus' name. The church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Some of you are familiar with uh, nursery rhymes. The nursery rhymes were really good. There was a mother who had three pigs, and she had a no-account pig for a father. I'm ad-libbing, <laughs> trying to contemporary. I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> she didn't have enough money to take care of her three now going into adulthood pigs. And so she informed them that they would have to branch out on their own. And so they obediently responded to their mother's instruction. And the first pig had not gone very far when he met a man with a bundle of drawers. The little pig said to the man, please, man, give me that straw to build me a house. This the man did, and as soon as the pig had built the house with it, just after the house had been built, along came a wolf. He knocked on the door of the little pig's house, and he called, little pig, little pig, let me in. But the little pig answered, no, 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 not by the hair on my chinny chin chin. Then the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house in and he ate that little pig. Back in the day, the rhymes were a little violent. <laughs> they must have been thinking about the hood when they were following their imaginations. The second pig had not gone far when he met a man who was carrying a bundle of sticks on his shoulder. The little pig said to him, please, man, give me those sticks to build a house. This the man did, and soon the little pig had built a house with them. Just after the house was built, along came the wolf. Wolf knocked on the door, and he said to the little pig, let me in. The little pig said, no, you can't come in. No, no, not by the hair 
on my chinny, chin, chin. Then the wolf said, well, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And so he huffed and he puffed and down went the house of the second pig that had built his house with sticks. The third little pig met a man who had a load of bricks, right? The little pig said to him, please, man, give me those bricks to build my house. This the man did, and soon the little pig built a house with them. Just after the house was built, along came the, some of you know the story. He knocked at the door of the little pig's house, and he said, little pig, little pig, let me in. But the little pig answered and said, no, no, not by the hair on my chinny chin chin. Then the wolf said, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. So the, the wolf huffed and he puffed. He huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed, but he couldn't blow the house down. So the wolf decided to be a little uh, uh, innovative. He climbed on top of the roof, but the little pig knew what he was doing, so he made a hot boiling pot of water and he hung it over by his fireplace. And he left the lid on, and just as the pig, as the wolf was coming down the chimney to make its entrance, he moved the top lid of the pot, and guess what fell into the pot? The wolf. And the pig, according to the rhyme, had the wolf for dinner. And they all lived happily ever after, except for the two pigs that died, and the wolf that was called it to death and became dinner. Although the third pig that built its house with bricks survived, without a sure foundation, a house would have crumbled. We emphasized the brick, but it was really the foundation that kept the house from being blown down to the ground. The strength of the building lies in its foundation. The main purpose of a foundation is to hold the structure above it and keep it upright from the elements. The foundation must be built, built such that it keeps the ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. And so the most important part of your house, even though we spend most of our money on everything that's above the foundation, it really is the foundation. I was looking at the houses in Paradise California, the ones that have been destroyed by fire. And one of the things that I consistently saw was that though the houses had been leveled to the ground by fire, the foundations stood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we are told that believers are God's building. We are God's building. In fact, we're called the temple of God. The Bible says, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, his building? his body, his temple, and that if any man defiles the temple of God, that temple will God destroy. But we're described as a building in those verses. The apostle Peter describes members of the church as living stones. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The sacrifices that the living stones are making are acceptable to God because of Jesus Christ. 
while it's true that believers are living stones that make up the building of God in the world, the stones that are described as living can be shaky. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The stones are not reliable. In fact, someone said, when the Lord says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps on crawling off of the altar. How many of you would agree that there are few loose stones at New Direction Bible Church? The foundation is sure. But the stones, the body, believers, we can be unpredictable. We can be a little shady. We can be, maybe it's just the Christians I've met, but we can be difficult. And so we are these living stones, but we're not the most stable. We are loose stones. The good news is that even though there are few loose stones in the church, as I've already said, the foundation is sure. Listen to what the Lord says. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. Say a stone for a foundation. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. We've got the word where you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be scratching your head. Is, it, is the church going to stand? Will it not? You know, is it all that the Lord said? This is a sure, a tried foundation. Now, the interesting thing, when we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, the reason why the foundation is sure, Paul says, no one can build a foundation other than that which was already laid, and the foundation is not a place, but it's a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. But above the foundation, who is Christ, there are some loose stones. Come on now. There's some loose stones. We got some, we got some strange folk up in our family. That was always interesting during the Christmas holiday and the Thanksgiving holiday. People who would show up. Like, who is that? And they're talking all loud and licking their fingers. And, and, and then you can't deny them because all of you got the same shaped head. I mean, you, how are you going to deny that? Turn to somebody and say, I'm a loose stone. <laughs> but Jesus is my sure foundation. <laughs> when the Apostle Paul penned these words recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Apostle Paul was housed in the luxurious quarters of a death row prison cell. In fact, in chapter 4, just as the book is closing, he says, 
I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought. You know that passage. And what Paul is basically saying, the sentence has already been decided. My death, the time of my death has been determined. But I fought the good fight. I've run my race. I've kept the faith. And Paul was not in any way distracted because even though he said in chapter 4 that he had been forsaken by all, loose stones will forsake you. He said, but the Lord, the sure foundation, stood with me. There are in every church loose stones. You can go to another church, and sometimes they look pretty good when you first join. But you already know there's a problem because you went there. <laughs> we are all loose stones. Amen. As sweet as Sister Val's looking right now, you, sister, you're a loose stone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now, the church that Paul directs these words to was the church at Ephesus. And the pastor was a man named Timothy. He was Paul's spiritual son in the faith. And so they had some big issues in the church at Ephesus. There were a lot of loose stones. And what I want to share with you from the outset, I just want to share with you a few of these loose stones. And what you're going to recognize is that loose stones aren't new. It ain't unique to this church. It's not unique to the church that we were formerly a part of. And I thank God that heaven is awaiting us because that's the only time when we won't be loose no more. <laughs> this corruptible body shall take on what? Incorruption. And it's mortal. We will be like him. We ain't there. Now, let me speak for myself because y'all too quiet on me. <laughs> I ain't there yet. Amen. Thank you, Brother Calvin. I heard you. Now, what were the loose stones at the church of Ephesus where Timothy pastored? Let me just share a few of the loose stones. I wish we had passed out stones today, but I was afraid that the loose stones might throw the stones. So, <laughs> so we... <laughs> We walked away from that one. The first loose stone was the sensitivity of a young pastor. Pastor Timothy was a gifted preacher and teacher, but he struggled with self-confidence. He had an inferiority complex. He really had not fully accepted who he was in the image of Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord has not given you the spirit of fear. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of love and of a sound mind. He gives us power. He gives us power and love, and then the way the NIV translates that, self-discipline. And so Timothy struggled with, is being okay 
loving himself as God loved him. So that, that made the pastor a little shaky. He also had an issue. Timothy was sickly, especially under stress. And what I'm learning about men in particular, and I'm never going to pick on the brothers because we got a Christ strong ministry here. Amen. The brothers are holding it up and holding it down. Amen, sister. Amen. Somebody better say amen because men, men respond to encouragement. Yeah, you're going to have to learn how men think. Amen. It works. It works. But a lot of men don't know how to handle stress, and so they turn to all kinds of things. Alcohol, cannabis, that's becoming legal. That's a big thing, stress reliever. And we still don't know the effect that it has on the mind and brain cells that it erases, the energy that it takes from you, how it really postpones and causes you to become a procrastinator. And by the time you come down off of your cannabis experience, everything that you are trying to escape and feel better about is still, not only is that facing you, <laughs> but now you got to deal with some other things because you, while not handling what you should have handled, other things have added itself to your cart. And so when he was under stress, he became ill. Listen to what the scripture says. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach. See, he said you can drink some wine. Uh-oh. For your stomach. Timothy had a lot of Maalox moments as a pastor. And your frequent illnesses. Now, if we talk about the gift of healing and does it exist and where did it stop, Here's a pastor who lived in the apostolic age where the gifts were active, but he still struggled with stress and frequent illness. And you know what the cause of his illness was? He was a, he, his church, his church. That's what he said. It was a church. He also struggled with the older members treating him in a discriminatory way. It was, it was reverse age discrimination. And Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set the example for, for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and spirit. So he was a young pastor, and when he stood before his congregation, the older members were looking at him sideways. What does this young whippersnapper have to say to us? And that was intimidating Pastor Timothy, who was timid, and he was a loose stone. On top of all of this, Pastor Timothy was a natural introvert. You're a pastor, but you don't want to be in front of nobody. The Apostle Paul challenged him in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 5, where he says, Until I come, in chapter 4, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading. A lot of preachers don't love to study, love to be in their offices, and the only time they, they pop up is when they're coming down out of the Mount Sinai with the tablet. They can't, they, they can't stand people, don't want to be around you, and if you were there to tell you the truth, they do not love people. They love the experience, they love the adrenaline, they love the high, they love the accolades, but they don't love you. And so Paul says, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture and preaching and teaching. He says, do not neglect your gift. 
which was given to you through prophecy. God revealed this thing. When the body, when, when the body of elders laid hands on you, say with me, the pastor had issues. <laughs> Timothy was a piece of work. He was a man, but God man. God had called this kind of man with his sensitivities and his insecurities and his stomach issues and his introverted ways. God had placed on him the assignment to pastor a church. And so the first loose stone in the church, it was the pastor. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't be too loud with that, but just say amen. Then he had to deal with saints that wouldn't pray. They would lose stones. Folk that don't want to pray, they're part of the church. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, I adjure you. Then first of all, that petitions and prayer, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. The first thing that should be a priority of the church when we come, we ought to come in the spirit of prayer. He had to tell them to do that. I'm telling you, that's a loose stone when the church won't pray. Because the Lord says the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great power, have great benefit. People, God learned way back in the Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves, what did the Lord say? Uh, uh, get on the computer, uh, give more money. No, he said, if you humble yourselves and pray, turn from your wicked ways. Seek my face. But it starts with what? Prayer. I'm talking, you got some loose stones in the church when the church won't pray. That's a scary thought. And so Timothy had his own issues, and they had a church that he was pastoring that wouldn't pray. Then he had to deal with sisters who wanted to be the primary teachers and preachers and pastors over men. That was, those were loose stones in the church. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 and following, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Don't get quiet on me now. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. He's talking about usurped authority, forced authority, authority that God doesn't give or intends an anointing that you're operating in that you were never, never given by God. That's a loose stone when you have a power struggle in the church. People trying to operate out of the, the anointing and the, and the assignment that God gave them. So the sisters wanted to be preachers. And you got brothers who want to be sisters. And you got kind of, uh, loose stones in the church. And there was a loose stone of shouting saints that rejected sound doctrine. That's a loose stone. He said, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. He said, had nothing to do with such. People come to church, they have a form of God. They can shout, they can speak in tongues, they can do all the hook slides. And God is good all the time. God is good. Ain't he all right? I said, ain't he all right? Somebody ought to say, yeah. You know, so they, they had all of that, a form of godliness, the appearance. But they denied the power thereof. He says, they do not put up with sound doctrine. They turn away from the truth 
but keep on shouting. <laughs> they don't want to hear no truth. They don't want to hear nothing about sin. They don't want to hear nothing about living right. They just want to hear about feeling right, feeling good. Ain't he all right? He's all right. Ain't he all right? You know, they want to hear that. Shouting saints that reject sound doctrine. The church is filled with that right now. That's why the church has little or no influence in the world. We want to shout. We want to feel good. Then we have church today. No, the pastor didn't preach. We just, we just had praise and worship. And sister so-and-so ran, and then the brother ran behind her. Then somebody flipped over three chairs, and the other guy ran into the wall and didn't get knocked out. He really, that must have been the Holy Spirit. No, he had a hard head, and the wall was probably, no, no. We, you know, so we, we're emphasizing all of this. The, the church has become like a thrill show. How many of you know that thrill seekers make large crowds, but horrible disciples? Horrible disciples. Preach to a thousand people, and they shout, and they scream, and they love everything, and you collect the offering, $300. You go to a church, nobody, nobody raises their hand, nobody says amen. You got 10 people in the room, you collect an offering, and it's only 10, but you collect $3,000. Shouting, but can't stand sound doctrine. That's a loose stone in the church. Then there was a loose stone of senior citizens being neglected. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, If any woman who, had, who is a believer has a widow in her care, somebody 65 or older whose spouse has died and she's a believer, she should continue to help them. And not let the church be burdened with them. So there's a place for family to step in when you, all you got is your social security check that you're trying to live off. Oh, my God. I've already said this. How many people that I go in their houses and somebody in their house is dying, and they're trying to keep their loved one alive because the only other source of income they have is that somebody's bringing in $800 a month from social security. And the other person's bringing in $600. How are you going to live off of that? So when, when, when there's no family that can help widows, the Bible says, here's what the scripture says, so that the church can help those widows who really need it. Now, that means that somebody got to swallow their pride. If you're struggling at this church, especially if you're a senior, you're just struggling in vain because you don't have to. Because we really believe the word here. But there were loose stones. There were widows. There were seniors who were going without their needs were being neglected in the church. There are times when you don't send people to social services. There was a time when these words were written, there were no social services. The church. The church. Amen. The Bible says that God blesses those who bless. When we bless widows and orphans, God says, that kind of church gets my attention. That kind of church will reap a harvest of blessing because I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. And so much, not just one window, I am going to open up the windows of heaven in such a way that I will begin to pour out. Anybody want to be blessed by the Lord? I don't know about you. I'm a loose stone, but I want to be blessed. I, 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 I want to be blessed. And so there were senior citizens being neglected. And here's another loose stone. Shouting saints, sisters that wanted to be pastors and preachers over men, uh, the sensitive pastors, saints that don't pray, 
And then he had, they were sorry men that refused to provide for their families. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially those of the household of faith, he is worse than an unbeliever. There are a few loose stones. Somebody say amen. In the church. And so whenever you think about the body of Christ, don't be shocked. I know what they're saying on TV. Just lay your hands on it and, and declare and decree, and it's yours. But they leave out the part that Jesus said, you can't follow me unless you bear a cross. And a cross is for something that's going to die. And sometimes a part of us dying to ourselves is dealing with the saints below that we know, not the ones that we will dwell above within heaven. How many of you know the only eternal relationship that the Lord says, aside from the relationship we'll have with him, is with these sisters and brothers in Christ? We're going to be with each. You might as well get used to me now. I was taken back. I think uh, Brandon shared this with me. There was a man who was stationed outside of Best Buy uh, for Black Friday. For how many weeks? Two weeks, two weeks. That's just, uh, how many days? I want to say two weeks. <laughs> but we'll, 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 go with your, we'll go with your version since you, 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 you told me about it. But I've heard of people who've actually camped outside of an establishment in, in, in preparation for the day when the doors would open for that sale. And so my immediate question goes to the person's mental health. I want to know, what is his diagnosis? And uh, this was this person that Don Trey told me, there was no mental illness, there was no mental challenge. This was a college-trained professional teacher in the public school. I don't know which school he teaches in, but, <laughs> but anyway, they did a full interview on this guy. And he says, uh, he, so he's sitting out there in the rain, in the cold. It, did it rain? They said, in the rain, in the cold. Now, they did open up the doors on third. So he's out there in the, in the weather, the environment. There are no restroom facilities. So I don't know what this brother was doing for that. There's no food. You've got to have prepackaged food. There's no place to bathe. So if he's coming into the store, he can have whatever he wants because now he's got three weeks or two weeks of stink on him. So he's sitting out there in all of this, bundled up in clothes, a tent, and I'm just, I'm like, what would make somebody, I know he's a loose stone, but why would you go through that kind of difficulty just to buy a, a laptop or whatever they got? So the, the issue is, they asked him why, he said, because of what's on the inside. I keep going back because of what's on the inside. I know it's messed up. That I'm on the outside, and I got to go through all of these. I got to go through all these attitudes and all of these different kinds. I don't know how she's gonna act today. I don't know how he's gonna act. But I know if I can just get it on the inside of the church, when I get on the inside, what is there is worship. What is there is the word of God. I know there's some loose. Jones. I know folk don't always act right, but if I can just get on the inside, some of those folks are going to love up on me. 
and iron will sharpen. Sharpen iron. Yeah, there's some loose stones in this church. But when you get on the inside, that's the trick of the devil. The first thing he wants you to do is stay away from church. A stone hits you up in the head. <laughs> you went to shake their hand, and they, they done said something foul. And the devil says, stay home. No, inside. You may not get a laptop. You may not get some on the electronic. But what you will get, the Bible says, I've always said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst. Something breaks out when you're in the presence of other believers who are calling on that name that is above every name. Yeah, there's some loose stones up in here. including you and me. But I'm not going to stay out <laughs> because of what's going on on the inside. Somebody say amen. Now, how should you behave and think in spite of the loose stones in the church? I'm glad you asked. First of all, how should you behave Paul gives a list of responses to Pastor Timothy as to how he should respond. Rather than in timidity and fear and shrinking back, he says, behave like a steward entrusted with the word of God to deposit into the lives of others. Understand, I've said this again and again, this ain't about you. This is about the kingdom. And we are being discipled and we are called to be disciplers. Listen to what he says in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Do you want to hear what he says? He says, you therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And it's not my grace, in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... He says, do this, commit these to faithful men. Let's make that generic. Commit this to faithful believers who will be able to teach others also. This is the mandate for discipleship. He says, you keep coming where the stones happen to be loose. And while you're coming, you come to be fed, to be equipped in the word so that you can do the work of the ministry. And the specific work of the ministry is to take the word. And he says, don't waste your time with everybody that comes to this church. Some stones are just boulders. Faithful believers who are like my, who are hungry for the word, he says, to get involved in their life and deposit into them whatever words you got. You don't have to be a Bible college graduate, a seminary graduate. If you know enough to live right, you can deposit what you've learned into somebody else's life. Every one of you in this room are to be a Who are you discipling? Who are you teaching about Jesus? Who are you training? And the way that it's supposed to go is that as you train them when it's done right, not training them unto Benson or unto some other man or leader or train, train, discipling them unto Jesus through the word. When it's done right, then they will take what you gave them and they will share with someone else because that's all it is. Evangelism is one hungry beggar showing another beggar where you can find food. That's all it is. 
And so he says, you are a steward who has been entrusted with the word of God. I have it, but so do you. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring your life into? The reason we get the sidetrack, we're so busy focusing on the loose stones that we lose sight of legacy, of eternity, of souls that are at stake. He said, behave like a soldier. You're in the army now. You're property of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been brought with the price of the precious blood. He said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier, no MIAs, of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him. Oh, man, this messed me up this morning. It messed me up this morning. I'm a soldier. He called me to endure hardship. So I'm not just going to be somebody in the army. I may not have a lot of uh, 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 indications of, of status, but I want you to understand that in his mind, when I'm obeying him, I'm a good soldier. I'm not going to be entangled. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to turn to the left nor to the right because I want him to say, well done, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Endure hardship as a good soldier. Avoid all that would distract you from pleasing the Lord. What are you allowing to distract you from what God has called you to do? We talk about the devil is a liar. Don't be deceived. He's coming after you to kill your, destroy your family, to destroy generations. Behave like a well-conditioned athlete. He said, and also in verse 2, in verse 6 of chapter 2, 2 Timothy, he said, and also if anyone competes as an athlete, he's, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A well-conditioned athlete brings himself on their body under the authority of the Holy Spirit, not your body giving control over the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I will not be brought under the subjection of anything except the Lord Jesus Christ. A well-conditioned athlete. He says that the only way you're going to win, the only way you're going to be blessed is by running and competing by the rules that are contained in the word of God. You've got to do this thing God's way. He said, I will order your steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And sometimes because I'm stum- I'm going to stumble and fall, but because I'm doing it God's way, even in my fall, he said, I will not utterly allow you to be cast down. I'll fall seven times and he'll pick me up. The Lord says, I will cause you to be victorious. Behave like a well-conditioned animal, a- athlete. Also behave like a a farmer who patiently waits for the harvest. In verses 6 and 7, he says, Work for the Lord and wait patiently for the harvest of your re- for your reward. Uh, and that verse says, The hardworking farmer must first be a partaker of the crops. And here's the Lord saying about as you're dealing with your own struggles. How many of you know that we have our, we struggle and we don't always succeed? That the farmer, the two things that has to be true of a farmer to be successful, a farmer needs to be a hard worker. And secondly, a farmer has to be patient. you got to be patient with people. 
you got to be patient with yourself. You can't be giving up on yourself. You got to stop saying the things that God never said about you. When you do, you do blow it. But we fall down. We get up. I'm not going to stay down. And so you need to wait patiently for the harvest. You're waiting because you did the work. Now, here's the interesting thing. Somebody asked that, that, that you need to be a hard worker to produce a good crop. How hard are you working for the Lord? Or are you hardly working? Too many Christians want far more than they're willing to give. What, are, what sacrifices are you making for Jesus? What, what is your testimony? What can somebody say to you that they can only attribute to the presence of God in your life? If it had, what is it, what in your life is it? I ain't talking about what happened 10 years ago. I, you know, if it had not been for the Lord. What is, what is that, what, if it had not been for the Lord, what is that, what is your testimony for today? Somebody say amen. We, we, we moving on. Behave like a farmer. Behave like an athlete, a well-conditioned athlete, a soldier. Behave like one who's a steward. But also behave like Jesus is coming back at any time. There's an urgency about this. Jesus, in verses 8 through 13, we're not going to read all those verses. Jesus Christ, of the seed of David. This is deep. You can do a Bible study just on this verse. Of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, the good news, and that one day you will reign with him. So you need, if, if you if just want to be selfish about this thing, and of course you can if you're really working for Jesus because your heart is going to be right. He said, work as if Jesus could come back because when he comes back, you will reign with him. We will get our reward. That's how you respond to loose stones. At any moment, be ye also ready for such an hour when you see all these fires and these tsunamis and then these predictions by the, uh, uh, the climate uh, meteorologists. All the experts can tell you what's going wrong with the, with the, with the climate and how things are changing. And it's setting up for that, for that great coming back of the Lord. And I believe that he could come back at any time. Are you ready? Are you living in such a way? Now, let me finish with, let me give you a couple other things. Behave like a diligent student who's eager, who eagerly studies the word. He says, but be ye, he says, he says, uh, but be diligent to study the word of God. But study to show yourself approved. You know that verse in 215? A workman who does not need to be ashamed. That's what you ought to be doing. Every time you can learn about the word, you need to have this Bible open. You need to start your day with the word. You need to be reading this word whenever you can throughout the day. Not just to be have the information, but in order to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Are you, are, are, are you in agreement with me? Yes. Be like a servant who lovingly confronts wayward Christians. Sometimes people have to challenge you when you're wrong. He said that Hymenaeus and Philetus, their doctrinal error, their sin has led people away from God. And so sometimes if someone doesn't lovingly talk to you as a loose stone, your behavior will have a snowball effect on others. And so how should we act? We should act as those who are willing to take the risk to tell you the truth, even though you can reject it. In Wisconsin, two weeks ago, 
60 students gathered for their junior prom, all males, and they stood on the steps of the courthouse, which is a tradition for those students in that age group. And the photographer said, when I give the count of three, I want all of you to salute. And 59 of the 60, when they saluted, they gave a Nazi salute, the white supremacist salute. These are men who are under the age of six, 16 and younger. The 60th student, when, it was, when they, all the others gave the salute, he stood there with his hands to the side. And the question was, how were you able, and what made you not Give the salute. Why did you raise your hand? Why do you do what your peers did? You know, you know that made you stand out? Does that make you look, you, you know, like you, 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 you're a cipher throw out, you're a thumb out, or all of it was square and peg, or whatever all I'm trying to say? He said, what, what was it that kept you from re just going along with the crowd? He said, I knew better. I wasn't raised like that. And, and, and I couldn't do what I wasn't trained to do. I want you to know that there are a lot of loose stones, but I'm a soldier. I can't be acting any and every kind of way because that's not the way I was raised in the word of God. I've been rightly dividing the word of truth, and I've been applying it to my life. And even though I'm in the world, I'm not of the world. I'm going to do what the Lord says. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye what transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not going to do what the other loose stones are doing because they're doing, I'm going to ask for me in my house. <laughs> ask for me in my house. I don't know about, but ask for me and my house. I'm going to obey the Lord. So how should you behave? I gave you a list of things that you should do. Let me finish with this. How should you think when you're surrounded by all these imperfect people? He says in verse 19, are you still with me? Nevertheless, say nevertheless. That's a word of absolute confidence. He said, yet in spite of all of the loose stones, in spite of all of the craziness, all of the limitations in the church, the same Jesus who said, upon this rock I will build my church, Jesus is still building his church. He said, nevertheless, and so how should I think? Be confident that the church of Jesus Christ will stand. Think confidently. Also think correctly. The scripture says that the foundation is firm. The foundation is firm because of God. It is immovable and conquerable. It is of the ancients of days. It is from everlasting to everlasting. It is rust-proof. It is corrosion-proof. It's made, the material of the foundation is made in heaven. Superman was my favorite uh, uh, cartoon hero. Man of steel! Leap tall buildings, outrun a locomotive, and the, the bullets, whatever, you know. Amen. Amen. But he had one weakness, kryptonite. I want you to know that we have more than one weakness. But I thank God that my foundation, who is Jesus, that nothing shall be impossible with him. 
There's no mountain that's too high. There's no river that's too wide. The Lord is able to do anything that he promised but failed. So think correctly. Think confidently. The correct, the correct thinking is the foundation of the church is firm. The confidence is nevertheless in spite of all that you see. And then finally, think calmly. calmly. Say calmly. He says that the Lord knows who are his. There's a seal on the foundation. Your name has been inscribed. Your name is on the foundation. That means you, you, you are set. It says that we are sealed until the day of redemption. We are kept by the Lord in his strong hand. Nobody can pluck us out of his hand. We are eternally secure in Jesus. Your name is inscribed in the foundation because you belong to him. Think calmly. Don't worry about this. But he said the truth that you belong to him, he says that you won't live a corrupt life. Your lifestyle will give you away. You may think your name, your name might be in talk. It might be in that erasable ink. But I'm talking about an inscription. I'm talking about something that's been grafted in. When you're grafted in, you have the DNA of the Spirit of God, and you will do that which pleases him. And even when you don't, it will hurt your heart because you broke his heart. Somebody say a few loose stones, but a firm foundation. Stand with me. In 1991, I decided to climb Mount Pocono. Some of you are former Camp Streamsiders. Mount Pocono is 1,988 feet above sea level. When I saw that one of the people that was going to be climbing as a leader was an 80-year-old woman, I knew that I could do it. And most of the people that were going up there was, were women. I knew if they could do it in 1991, I could do it. 1,900, I didn't know that then. <laughs> Anyhow, the, the, the guide, the male guy said, Two things. He said, as you make your way to the ascent, to the, to the apex of the mountain, there are loose stones. He said, but here's how you're going to make it to the top without falling. Stay on the path and allow your brothers and sisters to help you. Now, I got a problem with the second part. Ain't no woman going to be helping me up to the mountain. I got to show these women that. So first of all, I started off running. By the time I got to the middle of that mountain, my legs felt like rubber bands. And then as I kept making my way, my legs down like concrete, I started to slip. And I began to hear some of the folk behind me this is dangerous. I got to go to work. I got children. This could be my life. I'm going back. And some turn back because of the loose stones. Then one of the sisters said, don't give up. 
you can make it. And she said, she said, you have drifted away from the path. If you can just get back on the path, you'll be fine. And I realized that once I moved away from the loose stones and got back on the path, I had to crawl. <laughs> Jeez, I just, let me just be honest with you. I did some crawling. My clothes were all tore up by the time I got up there. I had beast things on me. Uh, I was crawling. The sisters was, pet, pet, you know, helping me out. And I was saying, hey, hey, sisters, yeah, praise the Lord. We can help each other out. Yeah, amen. <laughs> but when I made it to the apex, when I got to the top of the mountain, I went to the loose stones. I went to the difficulties. I did some crawling. I got tired. I felt like quitting. Didn't seem like I was going to make it. But when I got to the top, it was all worth it. Because I could look back and I could see how I made it over. If it had not, if it had not, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. And then I could look over that grand valley and see the majestic of the creation of God. And I was able to stand on that mountain and rejoice and say, the Lord is good. I made it through the new stones. And right now I'm standing. I'm standing on a firm foundation. Because on Christ, the solid rock. I, I don't know about you, but on Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground. Mama is a part of that. My sister may be a part of that. You know, but all of the ground is sinking sand. But on Christ, the solid rock you can stand. And you will become everything that God wants you to be. Because he is the firm foundation. Somebody say amen. Amen.